Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Did you miss us yet? Dave Lachlan, Mankajeski, back with you again. About eight minutes since finishing that showdown strategy show. It was a banger, let me tell you. If you missed that, check it out. 3.40 p.m. Eastern Time, Pittsburgh Steelers, Baltimore Ravens, Wednesday afternoon football. If you're not stoked for this, you don't have a pulse. And we've got, as always, our buddy Kyle Dvorak joining us at Kyle Tweets here on the Twitter's Kyle, what's going on, brother? I'm just trying to figure out how to do Pilates. Jordan and I were talking about this before the show. And apparently there's equipment involved, which I didn't realize. I assumed it was like a, a yoga type thing. I like yoga. I've done yoga before. Very, very relaxing, very peaceful, good for your mind and body. I uh, don't know anything about Pilates. So if anyone in the chat or either of you can explain to me how it's done, I'd like to know. I couldn't. I know I tried yoga once when I lived in my apartment and... Uh, it was a beginner's thing, and I got super pissed off and almost punched a hole through my television, and I've never gone back. <laughs> Who gets frustrated from yoga? <laughs> That's like the opposite of the point of yoga, I think. I couldn't do the stupid, you know, positions and ended up just quitting. Like, whatever. I'll play more DFS. Anyway, we're <laughs> glad to have you guys with us. It's the strategy show, Top Stacks edition, ownership edition, breaking all of that down here over the next hour and, uh, well, very simply, there's going to be a decent amount of chalk this week, but we might not know what the actual real legitimate chalk is uh, if we continue to get crazy developments throughout the week that we've seen in, 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 in recent weeks. But here's the good part. This is as much a top picks and ownership and stack show as it is a strategy show, hence the name. So we can give you a pretty good idea of what direction we're looking to take, regardless of what we know or won't know until later in the week. So, Matt, let's kick it off at, well, quickly, before we do any of that, last week, week 12, uh, the, the big thing here was you had, we won't meet, we do week in review every, every Wednesday. We won't need to spend a ton of time here. Tyreek Hill, Derrick Henry, both of them erupted. Dalvin Cook didn't. The difference there was having Dalvin Cook or Derrick Henry, not Dalvin Cook, and absolutely needing the 60 fantasy points from Tyreek Hill. All else was an afterthought after that. Listen, guys, you don't want to hear from me. I didn't win any money. I mean, I did, did fine, but our good friend Kyle over here. Oh, that's right. Yeah, man. What are you asking me? He had the right decision making. I did bink a little baby boy. He isn't much, but he's mine. And that's what makes him special. Yeah, Definitely, weird, uh, weirdest tweet I've ever seen, but I was what happy. What in the world does that mean? What is, what, just what part of it? 
I'm he's with like, Bobby. it's not a big bank. It's a little bank, but he's my. It's bank. not large. I'm like, it doesn't. I mean, it does, but like, it, it's not like uh, not the one I was looking for. It's what the, the hand I was dealt. Ah, uh, you screenshotted it though, so you were somewhat happy about it. The I'm not not happy about it. Tournament. A fifteen hundred dollar hit's not bad. It was on what a twelve dollar entry. Yeah, but like, it definitely wasn't the only contest I was playing that week. I'm not saying I'm disappointed about it. I'm both being happy about it, but acknowledging the fact that it's not, uh, you know, it's not the the game changer that I've been looking for. It, uh, it covers my losses more than anything. Well, Matt, next time Kyle wins uh, any type of money, unless it's 100 Gs, we just won't talk about it. Yeah, I'll tweet about it. I need that engagement. I got I to gotta feed my kids with this engagement, so. All right. Well, there really wasn't else, much else outside of that. You know, you need Tyree Kill. You needed Derrick Henry. We do a recap show every Monday. It's the Monday morning quarterback show. It's a lot of fun. We do fantasy cruncher lineup study and look over all of the right, wrong, right and wrong decisions. We commiserate. We celebrate. We do all of that. So 11 a.m. Eastern time. If you want more of that every week, let's dive into the chalk. Kyle, I'll kick it off with you. Brandon Cooks is someone we'll get to at wide receiver. But we start again. Feels like a little deja vu all over again. Dalvin Cook, 30% projected ownership. Right now, that was intentional. That's from a movie. I just don't know what it's from. Oh, no, no, no. That's from a, wasn't it a professional baseball player that said that? Yogi Berra? Uh, I don't know. I've never watched baseball. It sucks. You wouldn't know. No, it doesn't. Dalvin Cook, (laughs) 9,500. Chat will tell me who said that. Uh, 30% ownership coming off an ugly game, but he's not expected to miss any time. And now he has another spectacular matchup at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, yeah, the Jacksonville matchup is, uh, it's quite good. It's simply, I, I think this week probably is more of just, does he beat out the the players in his range? And you know, not quite, uh, like, they're kind of really the only player, like, up in that price range. But uh, generally, like, let's call it the 7K plus range. Can he beat out the players there if he scores 28, 29? Is that enough to beat Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones, et cetera, et cetera? So, if your lineup allows for you to play him, he probably projects better than all of those guys. But for me, like I, I'm like pretty like my lineups run pretty tight with their salary. I don't think there's a dollar wasted in the lineups I build for the most part. So uh, like like every week, I don't think I'm gonna have a ton of him. Am I acting him out of my player pool? Probably not. But do I think Aaron Jones can score in the same range as him with like thousands of dollars left on the table? Yeah. So he's fine. I get why you would play him if you have the salary. Go for it. If you don't, which my lineups are generally like not going to just be like, well, I have an extra 2000 laying around. Like I'm probably not going to have a ton of them. I think I might be on a different page, but much of that may come from the fact that I'm very likely targeting some of these less expensive running backs. Of course, we have to wait, Matt, and see if certain guys will be active or inactive. Uh, Todd Gurley being one of them and a few others that are questionable heading into week 13. But really the biggest decision to make once again is going to be Dalvin Cook. So I'll ask you the same question at 9,500 in a sterling matchup against the Jags. Where do you go with it? I'm comfortable with Dalvin Cook. I, I think the thing you need to think about every time you're seeing him on this slate is how you are going to be unique with him in your lineup. If you decide to roster him, obviously at the $9,500 price tag, it's going to make things more difficult. You're likely going to be duped as far as roster construction with some other people in your contest. And that's what we saw this past week, you know, Dalvin cook at 9,500. If you played him, you were probably punting some receivers off. And I mean, there were multiple guys you could punt with, but it led you to a similar roster construction at the very least to a lot of people in your field. When you fade someone like Dalvin cook, not only are you fading him to play, but sometimes you're fading him and the roster construction overall. And that can just lead to more leverage. 
I will play some of him, yes, but I'm going to be very careful about the lineups where he's in them. All right, so who is your top fa- or top pivot away from Dalvin Cook in a spot like this? We're midway through the week. Kyle mentioned Aaron Jones. You have a few other guys. Nobody quite as expensive, but Derrick Henry is 9,200. If you're getting away from Dalvin Cook, does that mean you're likely getting away from Derrick Henry as well, given that his ownership right now isn't projected to be that much less? It's around 18% compared to Dalvin Cook's 30. I think there's some circumstances where you can play Derrick Henry, but I'm just looking at the other running backs who are in the 7K range. I think it's feasible to fade both of the 9K runners. I mean, you can go to Josh Jacobs, assuming he plays, going against the Jets. He's 7,400. You can play Eckler coming off a career touchday. And that, that's a very tight spread right now, but we know Eckler is going to be involved in both phases of the game. I see no reason to fade someone like him. I mean, you can even go down to some cheaper backs too, like if Miles Gaskin makes his return, that's a huge spread going up against Cincinnati. Those are all situations I'm interested in. All right, Kyle. The other guys right now that are getting quite a bit of attention at running back, David Montgomery, isn't that lovely? 24% coming off his best fantasy point total of the season, despite only 11 carries. Garbage time saves all. Austin Eckler, 7,100. Matt mentioned, you know, career-high touch counts. The opportunities that Eckler had in that last game were absurd with 14 carries and 16 targets hauled in 11 of those for 85 yards and no touchdowns, but still almost a 25 fantasy point day. He's getting around 19%. And then Josh Jacobs right now, assuming he's active at 19%, I personally was surprised by that because his price tag has been jacked up uh, to $7,400. Yeah. Jacobs is really interesting. Like he, uh, one hit like, like the rest of the Raiders just had an awful day versus like of all teams, the the Falcons and two, like his injury, like his physical response to the injury with that was that like of a man who got his legs blown off in Vietnam. He looked mm-hmm. to be in, in an immense amount of pain. So like, I'm not saying I'd be surprised if he played because one, I know last year he played through, I think it was like a shoulder injury or something like the end of the season, basically. So the dude is like tough as nails. Maybe he does go out and play. If he doesn't play Devontae Booker, it'd just be like kind of the free square of the week. Otherwise, I do think, you know, as a big favorite versus a terrible Jets defense, he makes a lot of sense. I get it. Austin Eckler, I'd probably just rather take the 300 with Austin Eckler because not only is Austin Eckler a three down back, or at least he controls most of the first two downs and then gets used on passing downs more so than with Alvin Kamara, you know, Chris McCaffrey, not right now healthy Alvin Kamara being just completely disrupted by Taysom Hill. Like Austin Eckler is our new like pass catching back. He is our new Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara given that like 16 target game. Sure. They were underdogs or they ended up losing that game. So the game script set up well, I believe they're only one point underdogs to the Patriots this week. So it should be a tighter contest. I don't really care. I think he's he's the closest thing we have to a Kamara on this slate, given that our actual Kamara on this slate has kind of been sabotaged. So I think he's probably the maybe the safest and overall highest ceiling player to pay up for, you know, outside of paying up for like a, a Dalvin Cook or whatever. I do think, though, that there are some really good pivots like a Nick Chubb. Like, isn't, hasn't he come back with three 100 yard games? I think he's he's bottomed out at 19 carries. I get it. He's not a favorite this week. They're not at home. Certainly those aren't like, uh, you know, aren't things you look for when playing Nick Chubb. But like, like, I don't, I don't really care. I think Vegas can be wrong. We have seen this season that Vegas can be wrong. They're not infallible. And this Tennessee run defense has gotten gashed in a number of spots. They played better as of late. But like our early season prior on them was that they were a terrible defense. I think they probably fall somewhere in the middle. Nick Chubb can take take advantage of a middling defense. Yeah, I agree. The, the Cleveland Browns have been good enough to to look at a five-and-a-half-point spread and say, all right, well, they're, they're almost touchdown dogs. But 
they still have some guys that can put in a lot of work and a lot of heavy lifting. I'm not concerned about Kareem Hunt. Uh, that doesn't mean that there are times where I'm willing, I'm not willing to roster him. No, that's entirely untrue. But I said this last week, and I'm pretty adamant about the, the, the notion that, okay, forget about Kareem Hunt's work and look at their combined work. Chubb has seen 19, 20, and 19 carries over his last three games. He even had three for 33 through the air last week, which shouldn't be expected. But as you mentioned, Kyle, 100-plus yards rushing in three straight games. So Kareem Hunt's getting opportunities, but the run game, they're leaning on it as much as they possibly can. They fall behind, maybe it gets ugly, but I don't know if they abandon it entirely. The one that stands out to me as a pivot off Jacobs, Matt, because I'm just, I don't have any interest in paying for Jacobs at that price point. And if I'm wrong, I'll come back and I'll say it. I'll take the L. James Robinson's $100 cheaper. You know, take last week. He's getting ample opportunity every single week. His workload's absurd. Last week, he had six targets. He was the only running back to get any targets in that entire game. He saw 22 carries in the loss uh, to Cleveland. The only other guy to get any carries, not named Mike Glennon, was LaVisca Sonault, and he had one, not a single running back. So he's getting literally every opportunity as a running back in this backfield, uh, and he's featured in the passing game. I mean, I know Minnesota's favorite here at home, but James Robinson just continues to put up the numbers. Yeah, I think this is maybe a leak in my game. Players like James Robinson that are huge underdogs, I mean, because of that, they're going to be somewhat game script sensitive and you know James Robinson maybe is an anomaly in this situation but you know when teams are losing by touchdowns they're typically not seeing a lot of scoring opportunities they're not seeing an elevated workload and you know that's something that I've been assuming with James Robinson and it just hasn't happened they've been feeding him regardless I do still think he has less scoring equity than someone like Jacobs who's facing the Jets again we have to assume Jacobs is healthy like Kyle just compared his injury to a Vietnam war veteran I don't Jesus I don't have any idea if he doesn't play, obviously I don't like Jacobs or if he's limited all throughout the week, obviously I'm not going to like him as much as Wednesday. I have no idea, but I mean, just given that situation, like there's a lot more scoring equity with Josh Jacobs, even if he's not catching as many passes. So for that reason, I think it's close. I should probably take a harder look at players like James Robinson moving forward, even though they're going to be like touchdown underdogs in every single game, they just don't seem to care and they're going to ride him either way. They haven't won a game since week one. Against maybe, the Indianapolis Colts. Maybe throwing the ball downfield would help instead of giving your bell cow back an undrafted free agent 20 carries, but who am I to say? You're right, but if you're going to keep doing that, I'm going to keep going there. And, and I That's was, the thing. That's my leak. Yeah, and I was... In the, <laughs> hold on. I was of the same mindset, too. Like, not long ago... They, dude, like, for instance, against Green Bay. I know he wasn't great, but he still had 109 rushing yards on the road as, what were they, 15-point dogs? Something absurd. 23 carries. He's averaging 26 looks. So carries plus targets, 26 looks per game over the last five. And they've lost all of them. So... What, what can I do but throw my hands up and say he's just going to keep getting this opportunity, Kyle? I don't know if it's going to be efficient, but I don't think we can just turn our nose up at James Robinson if he's going to keep being the most heavily involved running back in the league or top three at least. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely uh, – I think it'll be situation dependent, but this is a game that I'm more comfortable targeting. Like the the Pit, or the or Pittsburgh the, – the Browns game wasn't really when I was targeting. I was targeting a ton of Nick Chubb. That was about it. A little bit of cream. Hunt. This is a game that I actually want to target. And it reminds me of when he played the. Ch- With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved. We are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. 
sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Chargers, I believe. It was a two-score game. And really, uh, James Robinson was like the only reason they stayed in it because he scored twice. I think he had like a two-point conversion or something. So that was a game that I wanted to play a lot of Justin Herbert. I wanted to play a lot of Keenan Allen. So it made sense to look for, you know, if they're going to stay competitive, I guess it has to be through James Robinson, given that they're really only choosing to use James Robinson. They don't have much of it. Like he said, like Matt said, they don't have a downfield passing game. They're short and intermediate passing game. And it's not like they have a Keenan Allen or a Michael Thomas. Their, their chosen way, maybe not the best way, certainly not the best way, but their chosen way to move the football is through running. So I think James Robinson is mostly going to make my lineups when I'm playing like a Kirk Cousins, for instance. And I think the passing game is another way to leverage this high, ex- high owned and expensive Dalvin Cook. So he makes my lineup in specific ways, but I don't think that means he doesn't make my lineup. Kyle, what do you say about someone in the 50 or the 5K range? Because there are a couple guys here that kind of pop off. Doesn't mean they're great, but it means that they are deserving of conversation. Wayne Gallman's workload has been absurd this year. I know Devonta Freeman is eligible to return this week, but I'm not sure he will. And even if he does, I, I don't know if he's going to get much opportunity. Wayne Gallman's been pretty good lately and this Giants team is winning football games. So, you know, why fix something that isn't broken, right? They've won three straight. The New York Giants have won three straight uh, and he's been featured in the, in the, in the, on the ground game, even though Alfred Morris gets a, a little bit of attention. Gallman has his highest touch count of the season last week, 24 carries and five targets. That's huge for a mid 5k guy. But now you're going up against Seattle in Seattle. Uh, is that enough to get you off of him? Yeah, it's kind of like the uh, like James Robinson light. Like he's James Robinson light, where he does project to get like a, a very like voluminous role given his very minimal cost. It's that do we see this team putting up enough points? And I would argue that they are actually a team that is more likely to get it done, or at least to try and get it done through the air specifically. Whereas like James Robinson seems to be the entirety of this offense. Whereas like. You can have like a good game from Evan Ingram, a long catch from Darius Slayton. Like I think you could have those from, you know, a DJ Chark or a LaVisca Chenault, but they don't seem to care Jacksonville. Whereas at least like, I think the giants are more likely to, to attack through the air, at least try. I don't know how good they'll be at it. The road dogs. I don't know. I think the implied team total as well is like probably incredibly low. Let me see if I can find this. Uh, Oh yeah. What is giants? implied total is 20.75, 20.75. That's not, that's that's not good. That's not terrible, but like I think for my running backs, I'm mostly looking at trying to find like the obvious touchdown spots because that's how my running backs are typically going to get there, unless they're Austin Eckler. It's not really a game I'm super apt to target either, unlike James Robinson's game. So I get it. The price is really good. I wouldn't like X Wayne Gallman out. It's simply that I think I can find more touchdown equity in his price range, even if I probably don't find as many raw touches. Matt, do you have any interest in sub K running backs? I mean, Alvin Kamara's been really bad with Taysom Hill at at the helm and understandably so you mentioned miles gaskin he could return kyle talked about aaron jones who's had a horrible month man just super disappointing rogers is throwing everything once they get in goal to go situations it's made life difficult and miles sanders against a bad green bay run defense but likely playing from behind all game and doug peterson likely to abandon the run as well those are just a few names out there coming in sub 10 percent. anybody you do like here I like DeAndre Swift if we get him back. This is it's Wednesday again. Four point four percent right now. 
talking about all these players that are hurt, I mean, watch my lineups. It's going to be completely different mm-hmm. come Sunday. But DeAndre Swift's dealing with a concussion. Of course, he missed Thanksgiving. But it's been over a week now. That at least gives him a better chance to suit up. Prior to the concussion injury, he had fully taken over the Detroit backfield. 21 attempts. This is carries combined with targets compared to six combined for Kerryon Johnson and and Adrian Peterson. So at at that price point, I'm more than comfortable getting to Swift, not to mention he's playing the Bears. I know the Bears have a fine defense, but you're still talking about positive game script for a potential bell cow at 6.5K, sub 5% ownership. Okay. By the way, one thing I will say about Wayne Gallman is that the uh, the red zone opportunities when they get down there have been like heavily leaning on Wayne Gallman. I like to see that type of stuff. Anything else at running back, Kyle? Any good pivots you see here early in the week? So if Jonathan Taylor gets cleared to play, like he maybe finally had cemented himself as the lead back uh, the last time we saw him. Didn't result in like a, a massive day, I don't believe, but it was like 20 carries. I think it was like 90 or some yards. I'm just looking at the the spot. They have a 27 implied team total. that's like top six or, or seven on the main slate. And there are a lot of good team totals on the main slate. He's going to be a favorite at Houston, a terrible defense in their own right. Like it's interesting. I, I'm hesitant to trust this backfield that has kind of been every other week, a different guy going off. But if we're going to see a decent workload, even if it's just carries, I don't expect him to get more than like three or four targets as a favorite against Houston. I think I could, I could get myself into some Jonathan Taylor as scary as that sounds. I'm going to ask you about one more guy, and I know it's gross, but I have reasons for asking. Uh, mm-hmm. Kenyon Drake getting 2% ownership right now, Matt. The only reason I'd even bring something like this up is because last week or this past Sunday, he had 22 carries, but he was also targeted four times. Uh, in, week ele- in week 11, he was targeted five times. So he now has seven receptions and nine targets over his last two games. Contrast that to earlier in the season where he didn't have a single game with more than two targets leading all the way up through week 10. He's 5,700, but they're at home in what's projected to be a close game. I do think it's worth discussing the fact that if the volume's there for Kenyon Drake and he's literally unowned, I might not be opposed to going here. Guy had 27 carries in a loss last week at Gillette Stadium. I think you can look to Kenyon Drake just fine. I mean, they are underdogs in this contest. I don't think that really matters too much with the tight spread. Arizona's quietly been What's a run it, three heavy. points still. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. No. I, no, I mean, Arizona, they've been run heavy regardless, and they've been run heavier in recent weeks. I think that's fine to target someone like Kenyon Drake. They're also a fast team, so you're getting a lot of plays per game. So if Chase Edmonds comes in and siphons a few carries, it's not necessarily the biggest worry in the world, similar to an LA chargers or a Cleveland Brown situation where oftentimes that causes people to shy away from the situation. People don't want to play Nick Chubb and whoever the chargers lead runner is on a week to week basis because they think it's a timeshare. Really they're running enough plays where it's okay. If someone siphons off a few carries, it's still enough to get there in a tournament. Yeah, for sure. And Kyle, my thinking here, and I don't expect anyone to be in full agreement, but my thinking here too, is that the Rams have just done a very good job of, of corking or, or, you know, containing opposing teams, passing attacks. And, you know, maybe, maybe Arizona looks to use Kyler Murray's feet more and looks to get Kenyon Drake, the ball more as an extension of the run. I don't know. I think it's encouraging though, that he's got nine targets over his last two games as well. Yeah, it's definitely an encouragement given what we saw from him or didn't see from him early in the season. I don't think it's like the focal point of why you're playing him, but it can't hurt. It can't it definitely can't hurt to see him get involved that way. And the carries have kind of been always been there. It's been something that regardless of if he's playing well or not, 
he gets the ball a lot, at least between the tackles. So that was something that like he wasn't scoring touchdowns in the middle of the season and sort of like uh, like David Montgomery, where we're like, you just play the volume, except his offense is actually good. His offense can actually produce touchdowns, unlike David Montgomery's. So I think it's it's kind of interesting to see. Sure, Montgomery probably projects for, which is insane to say, a, a vastly larger receiving role. David Montgomery, a vastly larger receiving role. But I think given the context of the Bears offense versus the Cardinals offense, I will take a few less targets because I know I probably secure more touchdown equity by playing someone who is, I don't know, not on the Bears. <laughs> Concise, nicely put. He's only running five fewer routes per game over his last two than Chase Edmonds too, which I like to see. All right, wide receivers. But before we do, guys, uh, if you haven't hit that thumbs up yet, it is greatly appreciated. It, uh, it, you know, it helps us combat that YouTube algorithm. And if you like what we do here, if you think we help you, if you just appreciate the content, right? The easiest way to support us is hit that subscribe button. Uh, and then also you'll know when our shows go live, you'll get more notifications, not notifications, but it'll show up in your browse feature, show up uh, on the homepage and all of that good stuff. So subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so yet and hammer that thumbs up button. You know, help us continue to grow this channel so we can keep doing free content here on the YouTubes. All right, boys, wide receiver, Matt, I'll swing it over to you. Brandon Cooks is the first guy we have to mention. For those of you that have not been paying any attention to football up until today and missed Monday night's uh, alert or notification or news, bombshell news, Will Fuller, PED violation, done for the year. Uh, Roby in the same on the same team done for the year as well with that six-game suspension, which means that Brandon Cooks is your number one. Kike Kuti is your number bona fide number two because Randall Cobb's out on the IR, at least going to miss two more games. And they just released Kenny Stills hours, I think, before this uh, Will Fuller news hit. So it's a mess there. But I want to know from you, number one, where do you go with Brandon Cooks? I guess the easy answer would be you just play him. But do you think that Brandon Cooks could actually get hurt from this as the type of receiver that he is, not having another outside speed guy that opposing defenses have to contend with? Floor is yours. It could possibly hurt him, but you know me, Lafayette. I'm a volume guy. And so this, can only, this can only help him as far as, you know, where the targets are going. I think having Kiki QT as your number two is going to help Cooks raw target volume. I don't think Indianapolis is a scary matchup. They played an incredibly easy slate of games to start the year, and now they've allowed 30 points in back-to-back weeks. So I, I think it's neutral, if anything. So I think in tournaments, the real question you have to ask yourself is, can you get away from Cook? Certainly answer, the answer is yes. And if you want to play him, how are you going to be contrarian? Watson is also going to be extremely owned. Perhaps you could play him in the run back of something on the Indianapolis side, which looks like won't carry as much ownership probably because of the three running back situation. And I don't really know a lot of people that are interested in stacking Phillip Rivers at this point, but it's an, it's a weird game to try to break down given the Indianapolis side of this with that said, I think you can look to cooks primarily in some run backs and some game stacking environments. How about you, Kyle? Top of the position, Kyle. Brandon cooks, number one topic of conversation leading into Sunday. Yeah, I'm with Matt on the overall projection for Cooks. Like, you're telling me there is more volume available from Deshaun Watson? Can't be a bad thing. Like, if he goes out and busts, like, I will blame it on anything else. I'll blame it on randomness, whatever. <laughs> I buy volume, and I buy it when it comes from Deshaun Watson, man. That's, uh, that's the, one of the best kinds of volume. So I don't think it'll be a bad thing. You know, I'm excited to just, you know see people saying, well, he, he drew drew more attention from defenses. You know, like, all the good players draw attention from defenses. He's going to be a good type, player. But, but hold on a second. I, I don't mean to cut you off, but – like, is Brandon Cooks not the type of receiver that when drawing more attention from defenses could actually struggle? I'm on, look, I'm on the same page as you guys. <laughs> Volume is king. I've said it 
a thousand times over the past however many years. Volume is king. But like Brandon Cooks is not necessarily the possession guy that can they can just continuously move the chain. So that's why I asked the question. Does that not concern you at all? If not, I'm I'm glad to hear it. No, I don't like I don't even I'm not even sure what uh, like what kind of uh player gets hurt from more like uh, more defensive looks I, like I don't know I, I I do the math I, I'm just like a nerd that just gets bullied for not knowing like what coverage he's gonna face or whatever and uh, my spreadsheets say this probably means more targets like that's uh mostly what I focus on I guess like definitely it is possible that he can go out and get more coverage like I think you could argue this is something we've seen with like Juju Smith-Schuster but then you look at it this year and he should be seeing no coverage like they have like one of the most grown men in the entire league on the field and one of the most like volume laden outside receivers in Deontay and Juju is playing like pretty terribly for his standards especially early in his career so that tells me that no it was never a coverage thing it was always like get more targets from good quarterbacks thing. And that's good. And now he's getting less targets. I think that's the the same sort of lens. We should look at it for Brandon cooks. I buy targets. I buy targets with my, with my DK dollars and I'm seeing a lot of targets for Brandon cooks. You want to talk about targets. Allen Robinson has like a 37% target share when Mitch Trubisky's on the field this year, uh, Matt. And I don't necessarily see that changing anytime soon. Going up against the Detroit team, Mitch Trubisky, it's like the rare team Mitch Trubisky's had any success against throughout his career. Um, I think Allen Robinson, I personally think Allen Robinson should be more expensive than he is. Uh, yes, Chicago struggles to score. They struggle to move the football. But one thing remains relatively consistent, and that's Allen Robinson gets a ton of red zone work when they do get down there, and he's going to be targeted frequently whenever Mitch Trubisky's on the field. He's $6,700 against the Detroit Lions. And as far as I'm concerned, the Lions are, yep, a field goal dog on the road. What do you say about Allen Robinson with the third highest projected ownership? He's a tough one to evaluate for similar reasons to like the James Robinson stuff. It's like, what's the scoring equity with a guy like Allen Robinson? Luckily in this week, he has a matchup against the Detroit Lions. So it's not a scary matchup whatsoever. The Bears implied team total is not good because the overall game total is like 42 but you're still looking at one of the most targeted receivers in football. And you even isolated it down to Mitch Trubisky, which seems to benefit Robinson even more. I'm completely fine with him at this price point. My real qualms with him at this point are how much of this game am I going to be stacking in tournaments? So obviously I'm trying to correlate my lineups, not only with the signal caller, but when I'm running these secondary correlations too, I'm trying to find good game environments. So when I see a 42 point total, how much of Robinson am I going to have in tournaments? I think it's probably going to come in underneath the field. What about you, Kyle? Matt says like all the same things that I'm thinking. I'm looking at this game environment and I'm like, where, why don't I win tournaments then? (laughs) I like, don't worry. I'm not like not, not making money hand over fist this season. It took like 13 weeks to just, uh, just get to the, to the positive. So don't, uh, you know, uh, don't be too jealous. This is, um, it's the same thing as Matt. Like, is this a game I really am? With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That interesting in targeting. Like I'm looking at the implied totals and the favorite in this game. I'm scrolling. Oh my God, I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling. Dude, I can't even find. Yeah, like there are the Bears implied team total is 23 and a half. And inexplicably, they're a favorite because it's a 40, you know, 43, 44 point total, depending on your book. Yeah, I'm looking for like, I'm certainly not afraid to go down to lower totals because I know the ownership more than makes up for that. Do I need to go this low on a slate with, you know, a ton of good games? I don't think so. I think I'm fine with targeting it, Allen Robinson simply for the volume as a one-off, but the plays that I'm over the field on just generally correlate to the games I am stacking, the games I'm even secondary stacking. And this just doesn't have a ton of appeal for that. Like, I think maybe DeAndre Swift, Allen Robinson is a really good secondary play because the volume could be there for both these guys where, sure, their teams don't score a ton of points, but their market share numbers are enough that if they score one or two touchdowns as teens, those both go to Allen Robinson or DeAndre Swift. But outside of that, this game environment just isn't exciting enough for me to really do anything other than let it happen if it gets into my lineups, but not really make an aggressive push to get there. Talk about scrolling to the implied total. You also have to scroll to get to Allen Robinson's name on DraftKings. So there's the, it'd be, di- I'd feel a whole lot different if he was catching the same salary as some of these guys in the seven K range. But um, yeah, I'm on a slightly different page here for me. Implied total is low. And that's one thing that I'm not super stoked about, but when you're gathering such an immense amount of the volume that your pass mm-hmm. that your passing attack has, uh, I'm willing to mitigate that. If, if I say, yeah, Alan Robinson could have 14 targets in this game and I wouldn't be surprised to me the the, the, the targets are, are pretty important. And quite frankly, I actually think Chicago puts up some points in this game. I it really wouldn't surprise me at all. So uh, I guess I deviate from, from the spread or sorry, from the totals a little bit here. These teams saw 50 combined points in week one. And while that's only one game, uh, I think Alan Robinson is just an absolute stud and one of the the best receivers in football. So while Mitch Trubisky isn't good, I think Allen Robinson is simply too cheap. Matt, 5,900 is how much you're going to pay for Robert Woods this week. He's getting the second much projected ownership at wide receiver. Man, I was really I, – I loved Woods. I, I do a first look column, and he really stood out to me as someone that was popping given he has 27 targets in the last two games. I think he's being propped up here a little bit by game environment. But unlike a lot of other receivers we've discussed and will discuss today, Robert Woods is very, very sensitive to game script. The Rams are a team extremely sensitive to whether they're trailing or leading in games. When they're leading, they're going to be one of the run heaviest teams in the NFL, really depressing, depressing target volume for pass catchers. Conversely, if Arizona gets up in this game, that's when we've seen LA just hammer the pass. We've seen Cooper Cup with a 20 target game. Robert Woods, of course, with a 27 over the last two weeks. And going back to even last year, Jared Goff tied for the league lead in pass attempts. So this is a tough situation for me to target when Robert Woods is coming in with 20% ownership. I love him as a raw play. I'll probably consider him in cash. But in tournaments, if this is what we're looking at, I'll likely go elsewhere. Kyle, because you seemingly are going to say the same thing as Matt here, I'll phrase the question a little bit differently. (laughs) And then next one will go to you first so that Matt can reiterate what you were going to say. Cooper Cup, 17%. (laughs) 
Robert Woods, 20%. So two and five respectively at their position. Josh Reynolds, 3.7%, despite the fact that while he's neither of those guys, and he certainly doesn't have the name recognition, he's been targeted eight, nine, 10, six, and six times over his last three games. And he's coming in at $4,200. So I'll ask you more broad brush approach here. Who, what are you doing with the Rams pass catchers and not just a very chalky Robert Woods? Okay. So I like, I'm glad you, I'm glad you actually set me up with a really good layup here because I'm in alignment with Matt. That just like their games. <laughs> thank you. Their game script makes it so that, yeah, whenever they're like favorites, I, I'm not really too interested in targeting a guy who I think could get like seven, eight targets especially when they're highly owned. When they're like, if people recognize that and they're low owned, I'm like, sure, Vegas can be wrong. I'll play these guys. And if the game script goes awry, I get a 15 target game from Robert Woods or Cooper Cup. That's great. When the field is on it, eh, I don't care. The field isn't on Josh Reynolds. That's a really good spot to find specifically because of what you said. He isn't like transcended from this tertiary receiving option to a guy who's in the mix every single week to draw six, seven targets. And unlike his teammates who have like, five and eight a dots they're like like really good versions of jarvis landry but that's what they are he actually has a fairly high a dot he's the only guy who can rack up a ton of air yards in a single game outside of cooper cup needing like 21 targets to do it so i think he would be like the ideal leverage play and the game doesn't particularly have to break in favor of arizona because like i said he can get there on four to five targets because he has so much upside on a per target basis so i think if you're looking at targeting this this passing attack He's the guy I do it with because he can get there on the least targets and he has great leverage off the guys who need eight, nine, 10 targets to really have big days. I mean, like nine, 10, 11 targets, honestly, they need a lot of targets because they simply just shouldn't be racking up a ton of yards or a ton of touchdown equity on their seven, eight out targets. I'll give you something that'll make you squirm in your seat, Matt. You ready for this? Probably not. I, I think Cam Akers easily sees his highest touch count of the season and solidifies himself as the Rams lead back in week 13. That's about 13 weeks too late for my seasonal teams, but I'm okay with it in GPPs. I mean, think about this. He's really cheap. This is like a, you know, five to seven or 8% guy. Okay. But do you know, first of all, do you know the two longest runs on the Rams this year are both Cam Akers, 61 and 48. Malcolm Brown and Henderson have combined for one carry above 20 yards. It's absurd for a run heavy team. I am not surprised for Malcolm Brown. Henderson's a bit surprising (laughs) for me given his college profile, but Malcolm Brown, man, the guy's running in quicksand. Yeah. He's He's never, he's never run for over 20 yards, even in practice. Right. But I'm saying it's funny that like the guy is the most explosive running back on this team is clearly Cam. Like, I don't think there's really any debate. Maybe Matt would debate that Daryl Henderson is the guy, but, um, to me, I'm, Cam I'm Akers, actually with you. What? I'm with you, man. Okay. Yeah. Look, another thing too, his two highest snap counts of the year outside of week one are the last two weeks. Now, granted, it's like 26 and 27%. Mm. It's not a lot. <laughs> That's not lost on me, but he's got eight, eight red zone looks over his last three games. All I'm saying is the, the, the direction, Kyle, that things are trending is more towards Cam Akers and more away from this like levels three man approach. He has 12 more carries than Brown over his last three games and only one less carry than Daryl Henderson. It's a far cry from what we saw earlier in the year. So if you want to be different and hit that wave before it crests, I think this is the week to do it. I don't blame you guys for calling me crazy. 
No, I, I really like that. I was thinking about this. I was thinking like typically when we see an entire passing attack drawing popularity, I'm like, well, what are the odds that this team goes out and runs 28 times and passes 24 times? And given that they're favorites this week, that seems high. So I was like, well, of course, like let's look at the running backs. And last week, I think Daryl Henderson still led the team in carries with like 10 to acres nine. But if we have any reason to believe that someone could emerge as a lead back, one, it probably fall in acres, like you said, just simply seeing his best snap shares of the season over the past two weeks outside of week one, which he shortly got injured afterwards. Yeah. So maybe it's the like the middle was where he's hurt, the ends, he was healthy, he's playing. So that's maybe a reason. And just production wise, like you said. He has been by far the best running back, what he's put on tape and the numbers he's put up. If we have any reason to believe, which we clearly do based on his talent, his small rising opportunity, that he could be the lead back for a team that we know wants to go so run heavy, and he's great leverage off of the obvious passing plays because they are mispriced, like they're just simply too low for the volume these guys see. But if he can be that kind of leverage play and you're giving me any reason to hope that he could get just 15, 16 carries. Yeah. Yeah. I actually think you kind of talked me into having like a decent sprinkle, especially over the field. He's not going to be very popular. So 0. just getting, 2%. I don't know, 0.2%, just getting like 5%. I exactly. mean, 5% is 20, is that 25. I can't do math. That's 25 over the field. Uh, 25X. Yeah. 20 actually. No, 25X. You're right. Yeah. yeah 25X. Yeah. 5% of okay him is 25X that. over the field. Yep. I, I think we can all get on board with this. Yeah. So. I don't know, $4,500, $500 north of the minimum. And two of the receivers for the Rams are the highest, two of the highest owned players on this slate. But I digress. Back to the wide receiver position, Matt. Is there anyone else at chalk that you want to talk about uh, or do you want to hit on some pivots? Justin Jefferson getting pre pretty popular right now. Devontae Adams at 9K, still north of 16%. But I don't really know outside of cooks if anyone is uber chalk i think the rams as a unit are going to be chalky on the pass catching game but nobody specifically getting insane numbers so i don't know if we need to sweat that too much here it's pretty flat minnesota's become a pretty hard team to target and especially given the potential game script they're going to face against jacksonville where they they should be winning this game pretty handily what's the volume going to be like for justin jefferson and adam thielen at Justin Jefferson's ownership, specifically, he's projected to be top five on the slate. He's someone I'll definitely look to fade. Adam Thielen, who should be back off the COVID list, we'll have to wait and see on his status. I'm far more likely to play him at 9% compared to 17.5% for Justin Jefferson. But ultimately, it's a very hard team to target, You know, similar to a Cleveland Browns or even the LA Rams to some degree, when we know that this team just wants to run the ball when they're ahead. And if ownership is condensing around a player reliant on the pass game, that's a situation I'm likely going to fade. Kyle, anybody else at the top of ownership, not of the pricing tier uh, or the price, the player pool that you want to touch on? No, I mean, I think we hit, I guess we should probably talk about Devontae Adams. 9K is a, a really high price to pay for anyone, let alone a receiver. And we know receivers are just generally more fragile. But typically when we see Devontae Adams, like in this, you know, 9K is not untenable. It's expensive, but not untenable. He comes in at like 20, 21, 22. I actually think it's like 17% ownership right now. I'm pretty fine going to that, I guess. And it will also probably lead me to a different build entirely because if I'm playing Devontae, I'm almost certainly not playing Brandon Cooks or not Brandon Cooks, uh, Dalvin Cook. Dalvin. That also means, yeah, Dalvin Cook, because how could you possibly fit those guys in your lineup? And that also means that now that I've paid up for Devontae Adams, I'm probably moving away from the chocolate receiver as well. So like necessarily by playing Devontae Adams, you're probably fading. I mean, you have like, you can only play so many receivers, but you're probably fading. Like, uh, I don't know, let's call it 
Justin Jefferson and Cooper Cup and probably Robert Woods. Maybe, you know, you maybe can get away with playing Brandon Cooks or whatever, but you faded most of the chalk at receiver, the biggest chalk at running back. You're kind of free to do whatever else you want your lineup. You can follow a more like projections based approach simply by playing one single player in Devontae Adams. So I, I think just the way that he forces you to build lineups is kind of interesting. And it's because he's not that chalky. I will say this much, Matt, and I agree with you, Kyle, but I will say this much, man. The the way that I watch Jim Schwartz and the Eagles defense scheme to defend DK Metcalf, single coverage, Darius Slay's good, man. But I, I don't know how you stop Metcalf. Metcalf dropped, I think, 100-plus yards on, on Tredavious White as well. He's really made these guys pay when they say, all right, here's our best corner. He shadows guys, and he can go one-on-one. And, man, it hasn't worked out. Well, I think Devontae Adams is the same type of guy that can make you pay. And I don't know if there's a better team in the league right now that can scheme to get guys wide open, even if it's not a top guy, even if it's Marquez Valdez-Scantling or Alan Lazard. They are always so unbelievably open that my assumption, again, is that Devontae Adams will have a lot of opportunities, uh, although he's exorbitantly priced. They're probably going to shit all over this Eagles team at Lambeau Field. And you're not optimistic for your Philadelphia Eagles. No, no, no. This is, listen, Matt, this is not blind pessimism at at all. This is, they are a really bad football team right now. And while their defense has been better than the offense by a wide margin, they just can't hold up across 60 minutes when the defense is on the field for 59 of those minutes. Yeah. I like Adams for all the reasons you mentioned. I mean, he's the going to be the most targeted receiver in football. I think you can certainly look to him for these reasons. And I mean, I don't put a lot of stock in the cornerback wide receiver matchups. They're so fluky on a week to week basis. So seeing Adams with 17% ownership, just shy of that. I think it's completely fine to target him in that situation. The game total is not great. You're going to spend a lot on a stack with him and Aaron Rodgers. I'm not sure who you're confident running back on the other side, outside of Dallas Goddard. But if you do take a contrarian stack and you take that approach, I think it will come with some leverage, not just through Devontae Adams, but you combine those three players or Rieger or whoever else you want to run from from Philly in a tournament perspective. I think that's fine. All right. So Vikings just activated Adam Thielen off the COVID-19 list. He'll practice today, according to Ian Rappaport. And at, oh, Adam Schefter got there first. Ooh. <laughs> Good, because I don't trust I don't trust anything Rappaport says anymore. After that Jalen Hurts nonsense. He's dead to me. That was unreal. But you know what? I don't blame him for it. As much as I want to, Doug Peterson's a buffoon, Matt. And as soon as as you, as soon as you're willing to accept that, you'll understand the way I view the world. (laughs) Uh, I I guess maybe it's not his fault, but I was very salty on Monday. Didn't he have like an Austin Eckler will return, but in a limited role tweet as well? He probably did. I'm almost sure he did. He all, yeah, yeah, he's, but the he's thing saying is, a bunch like, of nonsense. It, I'm sure he was like, okay, let me ask you this. Is he just making this up or is he being told this from someone that maybe it's the sources that he believes are reliable that we should be mad at? And now totally, be, totally. You know, and we should also be mad at him for trusting them, but you know, it's a trickle. It's down. like, it's like, would we ever trust Bruce Arians when he's like, we've got to get Ronald Jones 30 touches a game. Like I right. he told me like Andre Ellington, who's like a glorified James White was going to get 30 touches a game at one point. I swear that happened. Like Dude. It's, it's probably, it probably is just his sources are like, like meathead coaches who don't understand like what their own players roles are going to be. Yep. Andre Ellington. 
Wow. Good name. Not all about that. Going back to the Arizona days. It's good stuff. Kyle, what about tight end? I don't like to spend a lot of time here because there's never really any legitimate chalk, but I'm assuming you see a lot of 12 personnel uh, from the Houston Texans and Deshaun Watson's not afraid to lean on his tight ends, but I'm not going to lie to you. 15 and a half percent projected ownership from Jordan Akins. You know, that's a lot for a guy who hasn't really shown us all that much. He is 2,900 though. So take the floor fella. I mean, if, if Irv Smith doesn't, doesn't play, I'd pay $500 more 10 times out of 10 and play Kyle Rudolph. I think yes. like to Dallas Goddard, I'll pay the extra 1400 and his ownership is, is egregious, completely egregious given that he's like arguably his team's number one receiver yet again. I just think, Jordan Aikens, his floor is like, I mean, he's literally zero points. He didn't catch either of his like obvious touchdowns on Thanksgiving. And that's like the only looks he got. I think he had somehow like a carry for four yards is all he got. So Jordan Aikens is a good points per dollar play. I get it. It's simply that at like 15.5% ownership, a guy who literally has a zero point floor, I'm totally fine fading him. Darren Waller at like less owner, like slightly less ownership is chalk that actually makes sense because the matchup versus the Jets is great. Darren Waller is like a number one receiver by a very clear margin on his own team. He leads the NFL, at least among tight ends in target share by like two or 3%. That's like, that's chalk that makes sense to eat. Jordan Akins as the most popular tight end on the slate. Like I'll just fade that 10 times out of 10. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm also perfectly fine coming in underweight on Darren Waller every week, to be honest with you. But this is the week where I really like him because the Jets are absolutely putrid. Matt, what are you doing up here at top tight end? Yeah, I'm either trying to pay all the way up or pay all the way down, and we don't have a lot of strong pay-up options this week. Like you mentioned, I do think Waller is in a bounce-back spot, but every single tight end in this 5K range, 4.5 to 5K, 5.5K, if they're not quarter correlated with my quarterback, I'm just going to punt. Like I'll get, we, Kyle and I talked like three times last week, and we're like, well, why aren't we just playing Anthony Ferkser? Like, you're playing Austin Hooper? Well, Anthony Ferkser's the same volume. Oh, you're playing Jonu Smith? Why aren't you just playing Ferkser? Like you're playing your Kyle Rudolph was an exception because he was near the min and that opened up throughout the week. So insert Kyle Rudolph last week to that specific spot. But if you're considering Mike Jasicki at 4,200, why aren't you playing Anthony Ferkser who sees the same volume? Like it doesn't make any sense. And you could do this for any like punt tight end down there who is seeing relative volume near the minimum, like Darren Fells, like uh, Gerald Everett, if Tyler Higby's out, like insert random near minimum tight end. And why are you, why aren't you playing them over Mike Jasicki? Jordan Akins, Hawkinson, unless they're correlated. You know, it's funny. After Mike Kosecki, after um, after Waller and Jordan Akins, Kyle, the highest owned proje- highest projected owned tight end is Mo Ali Cox at sub five percent. So that's exactly why I say there's no real need to spend a ton of time here. So I'll ask you this before we wrap this segment up and close out the show with our top stacks and top own stacks, because we have that top stack tool, which is amazing at Awesomeo. Uh, and well, you can get all of that by going to awesomeo.com slash join and checking it out. If you like showdown content for three ninety five a week, you can get all of the showdown content and plenty of main slate content for the NFL weekly pass less than $4 a week. Um, By doing that, you get some top stack. You get the express top stack tool, express lineup builder tool, all of our showdown projections, ownership, top player tool, which is a showdown version of the top stacks tool, just taking all probabilities uh, and, and, and using it to build better lineups. All of the amazing articles that these guys do, 
and all of the tools built by the number one DFS player in the world. So you know you're getting something good when he's using them himself. There's the Fantasy Cruncher add-on. I'm sure I'm missing stuff, but seriously, just check it out for yourself. I'll stop talking. Check it out for yourself. If you want to go less than $4 a week, you can do that. You want to go annual and get everything. Basketball, baseball, football, NASCAR, MMA, golf, you name it, we've got that too. If they have contests, we've got content, including League of Legends and and all of that Call of Duty that I have no idea how to play that, but it's there and people win money doing it. So go to awesome.com slash join. And if you decide to sign up, be sure to join our premium Slack chat. Say what's up. We'll be happy to show you around. We do office hours where some of our top guys, our top analysts, top players take time out of their day to answer your questions with strategy, everything. I mean, seriously, there's no place you'd rather be than Osmo. Come join the community. We'd love to have you over here. Kyle, last thoughts on tight end. Evan Ingram is coming in at less than 1% owned and they are like facing the worst passing defense, not this season, but in maybe the history of the NFL, given the yards per game that Seattle allows. Unless you're playing the Eagles. And let no, like you have to be a good team, and the Eagles are a bad team, and I, the, the Giants are probably a bad team too. But the like the Seahawks matchup is is a great matchup. They're underdogs, which should keep them throwing. And now their quarterback, you know, is unlikely to convert many of his like pressure attempts into scrambles. They're probably just going to be like tight coverage throws. So Evan Ingram, I think he saw nine targets last week, topped 100 yards for what I would assume, like has to be the first time in the season. I don't love him. Like I don't generally like paying up in this uh, this price range, especially if it's not for Dallas Goddard, who is his team's number one receiver. But man, that is a a very low ownership for someone who just topped 100 yards, sees a lot of targets. The matchup is great. It's ugly, but like I'd rather play him in the same price range as like a Joni Smith. I'd rather like I'd rather play him over Mike Gusecki. I just think he's the best of a bad group of plays, and he's super low owned. All right. Oh, and uh, one more thing, guys. We have a giveaway going on today, and it's a pretty good one. All you got to do is check out the pin tweet at awesomeo underscore com. So this one I think carried over from Thanksgiving Day because we got screwed on that Pittsburgh Baltimore game. Uh, we are giving away, I think we're giving away a full year of awesomeo plus platinum. Yeah, it's like a thousand dollar value. All you have to do is guess who throws more passing yards, <laughs> Robert Griffin or Ben Roethlisberger. Choose wisely, friends. This is a tough one. Uh, anyway, whoever gets that right will be uh, randomly selected for the giveaway. Follow the rules at awesomeo underscore com on Twitter. It's a $1,000 value. It literally has everything I just talked about for the entire calendar year. Awesomeo plus platinum at awesomeo underscore com. While you're there, follow Kyle Dvorak at Kyle Tweets here and Matt Gajewski at Matt underscore Gajewski. Myself at Lafayette underscore D. L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D. Matt, you want to close this out with some stacks? Let's do it, my man. I've got the tool pulled up right now. One of my favorite tools on Osmo. I, I use such a great tool. Yeah, I write the top stacks article. So I'd really, really dive into this every single week. It's one of my favorites. And it's amazing for baseball too. Like this tool for baseball is so, so valuable. I know you guys don't get into that, but like knowing what the top stacks are for baseball, we're stacking like five players, four players is so important to winning contests. It's awesome. But let's do it. Right now, top stack probability. So for those of you that aren't familiar with the tool, maybe you're not premium subs, it gives you top stack probability, the likelihood that they are going to be the top stack, the top performing stack from a fantasy point perspective on the site. Then you get the projected ownership for that stack, but also their value. 
So one of them might have a top stack, high top stack probability, but their ownership is even higher than that. And their value is low, which actually means they aren't the best value or sorry that they aren't the best stack. So Matt, we're taking top stack probability in conjunction with ownership and value and trying to pull some great plays from that. What are you seeing here uh, for, for week 13? It's an interesting week. And I think overall, there's just a couple games sitting above a 50 point total. Obviously those are the ones we want to attack. And then within those games, we have a couple that are particularly hard to evaluate. I mean, one of them incorporates Indianapolis. And I mean, stacking that team is very difficult. Another one incorporates Cleveland, Tennessee. Both of those teams, I primarily run first teams. So how how do you stack that game? And then the third game above 50 points, is Jacksonville, Minnesota. One of the, it's a very lopsided spread, nearly 10 points already. Jacksonville, I mean, how are you going to stack that team combined with the Minnesota team trying to run the ball incessantly? With that, at the top of the stack still, I mean, I'm seeing teams that aren't involved in those games, which makes it very interesting. Do you try to get some leverage and play one of those high total games, or do you go with a team you know is going to be more pass heavy in a situation like that? So one I do like, if game script doesn't go according to plan, is hitting that Minnesota-Jacksonville game Again, this is it's tough to target someone like Justin Jefferson given the overall potential game script in the game. But Adam Thielen's coming in low ownership. I think people will be off of Jacksonville because of their dud last week, even though Keelan Cole had like a thousand air yards. So that's one. I mean, there's a potential couple others of the teams I just mentioned in those situations. But I think the week's wide open for stacks. Kyle, top stack probability, 12% to Houston. 10.6% to Seattle, 10% to Green Bay. Those are your one, two, and three uh, in the likelihood that they become the top stacks or are the top stacks this week. What are you doing here? Yeah, so Seattle's really interesting. This is a game that I wasn't like uh, massively interested in because it doesn't have like one of the crazy totals on the slate. The more I think about it, like if we're going to get Russell Wilson low ownership, like DK Metcalf is like maybe the best receiver in the NFL right now, certainly the most athletic. And even Tyler Lockett, although kind of cementing himself, it seems like as the number two receiver, a great number two receiver, like this seems like a game that we could easily be getting into at incredibly low ownership. And on the Seattle side, to say the least, they actually have uh, right now, it looks like the number three implied team total on the main slate. I think the the Seattle stack is like kind of obvious. It's one of Metcalf or Lockett. I like I guess you could play like a tight end or do something weird, but or David Moore or whatever. But Seattle stack for the most part, it's obvious. It's one of the top two. It's Russell Wilson. And then I think if you're building multiple lineups, it's kind of easy. You just like one stack of that plus Evan Ingram, one stack of that plus a, a Sterling Shepard. Do do whatever you want on the other side. You could even play Wayne Gallman. Like I don't really like Wayne Gallman. We talked about him earlier, but I'm talking a lot about this game. Like. I guess I at least have to be a little interested in Wayne Gallman. I like the receivers and, and tight end on that side. But overall, this just seems like a game, given the Seattle side of things, that is going to be overlooked. All right. I love it. And uh, I'll go I'll go back to the Packers. Devontae Adams is, is getting some love. So is Aaron Jones. But Alan Lazard's price came up a bit. So his ownership is going to be through the floor. Robert Tunyon's getting like 4% ownership right now. Do you know he has the fourth most fantasy points of any tight end this season? That's horrible. It's crazy though, right? It's horrible. It's nuts. Like who would have actually thought that was the case, but it is, at least it was um, before the last day or whatever. Anyway, uh, I like that. Let's do this. We only have a couple minutes here. Who are your guys? And this could be, this could be fun. Who's your favorite stack fade and maybe look somewhere else in that game. For me, I talked to you about Cam Akers. It's massively risky, but as Kyle said, 5% of him is 25% X the field. Uh, I like going to potentially Cam Akers. 
maybe in some spots fading that very chalky Rams passing game, which has proven over the, the, the season that they will have some really ugly affair or really ugly efforts. Uh, that would be mine. What about you, Matt? And it's like, this is a tough one because none of them are egregiously owned or like I extremely agree. highly owned. I think a very similar one to that is in the same game on the Arizona side. They're a team that's gone a lot run heavier of late, especially when they're in positive game scripts. Yeah, I love that. All right, Kyle, quickly, what do you have here? And by the way, Rams and Arizona are like five and six in terms of ownership right now, respectively. So they're not, they're up there, but it's pretty flat. Um, I mean, I, I guess one, we have like Mitchell Trubisky as a top five, like uh, own quarterback. No, I'm not never doing that. But I guess the, the more prescient one I'll go with is Deshaun Watson. And it's it only because people are solely stacking him with one of two guys, a tight end right. who can get zero targets and Brandon Cooks, who I like a lot, but we're seeing a third of the field potentially on him. It's simply that if if they go out and like, maybe Jonathan Taylor is like the perfect leverage play. If he just dominates, gets like 20 for 140 or something and can't stop breaking off chunk runs, he dominates like time possession. Like that is a way that Deshaun Watson is priced ends up being just a meh play and you don't need to play him to win. And the same with Brandon cook. So I, I think I'm going to be off that simply for ownership reasons. I like the players. I like the points per dollar aspect of it. I think they're good values. It's just, if a third of the field is going to be on one of the receivers, if you know, 10% of the field is probably playing Watson, almost certainly stacking him with cooks like out of principle, I'm not playing those guys. Strong points. That'll do it for us guys. Thanks for hanging out as always. Remember the showdown strategy show just ended before this. Matt Kajeski and I went through everything. We even built some lineups at the end to give you everything you need for today's 3:40 Eastern time game between the Steelers and Ravens. But it gets even better because coming up at 2:10 Eastern, it's an hour and a half coverage leading you up to lock. It's live before lock itself for this game. That is it. We've got everything. No reason to go anywhere else. And I believe, as a matter of fact, Kyle, you'll be on that with Alex Baker. So we'll be seeing you shortly. All All right, guys. You guys, if you turn back in, we'll see this ugly face once more. (laughs) There you have it. Thanks for hanging out. Guys, hit that thumbs up before you go. And if you love what we do here, you think we help us or help you and you want to help support us, hit that subscribe button. See you back here tomorrow. It's the Matchups Breakdown, Matt Savoca and myself on the Awesome Strategy Show. you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.